Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Raquel Simpson and I'll be your host for this episode. Uh, just to introduce myself, I am a practical nursing student and I hold a master's degree in emergency management. And I've recently embarked upon this wonderful journey of gerontological nursing. Um, so that's a bit about me. I'm super excited for the guest that we have today. So I'd like to introduce uh, Patricia Julian. So welcome. Thank you so Thank much you. for being a part of our, our um, episode. We were super excited for just this conversation and to have this dialogue with you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Yeah. So why don't you just tell me a bit about yourself and your interest yeah. in gerontological nursing and how that all came about. So I'm currently a registered nurse at cardiac and vascular surgery. Before that, I work in general medicine and acute mm-hmm. care. I first got interested into nursing several years ago when I was a volunteer in a long-term care home. Before I was a volunteer, I had uh, misconceptions about people with dementia. Sure. I found them intimidating because I heard about these behaviors, about, like yelling, yeah. kicking, yeah. hitting, but then I volunteered there and then I saw like how the nursing and the nursing staff okay. and the other healthcare professionals, how they manage these behaviors and even sure. reduced or prevented them right. just by engaging them through activities that they loved like reading music and just by using communication techniques and i was so impressed by what i saw that i was inspired to become a nurse that's that's, awesome yeah that's why i'm here today that's awesome thanks for sharing that Mm. wow just the power of seeing someone uh kind of navigate through some difficult circumstances in healthcare Mm. can really impact i think students greatly in those who are training up to become healthcare professionals. That's right. Yeah, that was a perfect example. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, research project that I hear you were a study team member of. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to uh, understand specifically what was taking place here, um, there were a hundred students who participated in this project, correct? That's correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who came from various disciplines, including, uh, for example, nursing, medicine, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. Um, Students were expected to participate in uh, an Mm -hmm. uh, e-learning course, which consisted of four modules on gentle persuasive techniques. That's right. And the second half of the project involved um, students coming to uh, a a workshop. It was a skills workshop specifically, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, can you tell me a little bit more about this project and your role in that? So like you said, phase one involved um, an e-learning module of gentle persuasive approaches or GPA. So in the phase, students took um, like the survey before okay. they completed the module and they did the same survey after to see any differences. Sure. The differences yeah. look at their confidence in working with people with dementia and their self-efficacy right. when working with as individuals. So a lot of the self-efficacy is based on Albert Bandura's theory of self-efficacy. Right. right. And the second phase is, like you said, the face-to-face workshop. So it involved the GPA module and a very and also the skills day, the geriatric skills day, okay. which involved sessions on like the Montessori methods, the the, the prescribing. Okay. And as a team member, I help organize the uh, the day. I help get some speakers, collect some surveys. I've also I've also been involved prior to this in. Um, 
evaluating the GPA e-learning module when I was a student at Ryerson University. Great. Yeah. Now I do understand that specifically in this workshop, you, there was discussion on, and the emphasis was on non-pharmacological interventions. That's right. Can you elaborate a little bit more on this and why it, it, it is um, important? So we try to make it reduce the use of antipsychotics as much as possible in managing behaviors because they there's some they can actually they can actually worsen the behaviors okay. or they may have negative side effects. So we they, we discuss like techniques such as communication okay. or engaging the residents in activities that they like. We also talk a lot about deprescribing, like me. Like look, maybe this look at this medication. Like, does the person with dementia actually need this medication? Right. And that's what they've talked about it as well. Okay. And just for our our listeners, can you maybe elaborate on uh, specific examples of non pharmacological interventions? Okay. So uh, let me just look at examples from my clinical practice. For sure, for sure. So let's say I have somebody with dementia and this person is calling out and yelling in a foreign language. And then if we don't know you too much, you might the first action might be try to to stop this behavior by using an antipsychotic. But right. then if you try to learn more about the person, maybe about your past or maybe sure. let's say this person doesn't know English and then you learn that in their language just means like water so sure. what I can just use is give them water and it's done right because because responsive behaviors are often like signs of unmet needs it can be thirst um, the need to toilet the need for companionship absolutely so as long as you address that trigger right then you wouldn't need to use any antipsychotics Thank you for, for explaining and expounding on that. Yes. Um, can you tell us why you think this type of learning is, so getting back to mm-hmm. the specific research study, can you yes. kind of explain why you think this type of learning is important for healthcare students, knowing how to interact with patients uh, who have dementia, learning to in, uh, uh assist with uh, responsive behaviors, learning to some of these techniques. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why is that important? So it's also really important because of the growing aging populations and the increasing incidence of the responsive behaviors in healthcare. Um, I work in general medicine and and in cardiac and vascular surgery and I've been noticing that there's more increases of increase in incidences of responsive behaviors mm-hmm. and then some studies shows that it can be up to 10 to 50 percent in various healthcare settings so it's important that we prepare the healthcare professionals Absolutely. to manage and or to mitigate the behaviors and these behaviors can lead to stress not just on the staff but also it can cause injury in the patients or clients as well mm-hmm. so if we know how to manage these behaviors we can reduce negative outcomes Second, um, it's important to have this education as well because it, some people might be, might, they might not be interested in gerontological nursing or geriatrics and educating them about all the possibilities of and the rewards that you can get from working with people with dementia and older people sure. can actually inspire a lot of intelligent young pro- future young professionals to enter the field. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fabulous. It's great. Uh, what are some of the key points or or takeaways mm-hmm. uh, that you found specifically um, in the workshop component of this research project? 
So one key takeaway that I remember that I've also an act in my current practice is um documentation. So when I do- when you encounter responsive behavior in healthcare, um, one common practice practice is to describe the person as agitated. Okay. But what does agitated mean? So when you look when you look at something that's documentation, you're thinking what is what is agitated it can be it can mean anything and how can this agitation be addressed so i learned that it's better to describe using specific non-judgmental descriptors such as maybe yelling kicking calling out the specific words calling out toilet calling out the name of somebody and that's better because that allows the team to go over the documented lists of behaviors and brainstorm um a proper method on how to address them sure. and also in my documentation I also include for example methods or solutions that I work with this client maybe for example I've given someone water <laughs> I've used yeah. a phrase from their language and if that works I document it right and that ensures that gets passed on to other team members so that they we can have a consistent approach to this client's behavior and another key takeaway is that I remember from the workshop is empathy. So as a nurse, right, as a new recent graduate from last year, I can still be very task oriented. Sure. So it's easy to feel frustrated with a person with dementia or exhibiting behaviors because you feel like, oh, I don't have time for this. I need to get this task done. But then you remember you put yourselves in your shoes and you think, how would I feel if somebody was forcing me to do this task? So you learn to back, to back away and think, is this task really a priority? And you learn how to work with a person, work with their choice in order to, of course, maintain the best health care for them. Right. Could you give maybe a specific example of maybe what that might look like in terms of you mentioned the Mm -hmm. keyword that you said was working by giving a choice to yes. this person what what would that kind of look like mm-hmm. so it can be something like let's say there's somebody who needs to have a shower today so working by giving a choice you come there and you explain to them you're getting a, you're gonna get you have to, you're gonna get a shower you give them detailed descriptions of what's going to happen so you don't just start right. giving them a shower <laughs> and then yeah so and then the choices they can come in small they can come in small things like can i help you take your shirt off or yeah. you can just start like just it can just start as do you want to shower now if they say no well that's fine right <laughs> they're, they're not gonna die if they don't have a shower right? <laughs> yeah something like that yeah, it, it, yeah. it depends and it comes in medications too so let's say you you know that this person likes their meds with pudding so you crush it and you give it in pudding. Right. Right? So right. that's their choice. They want it in pudding because, sure. yes. So you're accommodating. You're accommodating yeah. with them. Or if they don't want it now, they want it later. And you just think, do they have to get this med at this specific time now? You can just come back. Right. Later, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It really, yeah. it really, it's really complex. It involves a lot of priority setting as well. For sure. Yes. For sure. So what other ways has your participation in this study influenced you as a practicing nurse? Yes, so I've 
talked about documentation. I've also talked about working with a person's um, history, their personality, um, other ways. I've also learned how to communicate in such a way that's tailored to the client. So I've, let's say, I work with clients who don't know English. Okay. I try to learn some phrases from their language, such as maybe um, water, toileting, shoe, sure. just so you. Just to give them a sense of familiarity. For sure. Yes. And another way is also um, with delirium, preventing delirium. So delirium can happen with people to people with dementia mm -hmm. and can also happen to people without dementia. So with that I try to I try not to give meds that might cause delirium. Okay. Yes, so a common so one med for example is gravel. Gravel actually can increase delirium elderly okay. so I try to give like if you're getting nauseous I try to give something that's less um, likely to cause delirium like Zofran okay yes or if not we try to suggest that right yeah to the healthcare team to give something else right right yeah okay mm -hmm. um, is there anything else that you would like to tell our audience about GPA or the focus of GSDW on uh, BPSD? Well, I'd like to say that I would, if anybody who's listening was, hasn't considered a career in geriatrics or in gerontological nursing or in that field in general, I would like them to maybe ask them to just consider it or just try, just try to workshop out. Because even if they don't join that field, mm -hmm it's highly likely that they may encounter an older person in their practice unless they're maybe in maternity or pediatrics absolutely. right absolutely i think it's a good way but even even if you're in the field in your daily life maybe your neighbor your family member absolutely it would be i think this knowledge is very useful for any person for sure yes awesome that's great <laughs> So thank you so much for taking the time today, Patricia. <laughs> uh, to our audience, uh, please tune in to our follow-up podcast in this series. Oh, I also want to add uh, this. You made mention to the GPA manual That's and right. the four modules. So uh, this is actually the third edition GPA basic manual. And this is something that we would highly recommend if anybody is interested in dementia care, curious about dementia care, currently working in dementia care, this is absolutely a resource that can equip you and enable you to feel uh, more prepared and more ready to work with, uh, with mm. um, older adults who may be living with dementia. Is that it? Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. That was awesome. Thank you Thank so you. much.